11. Uh, we technically going to spend most of our time this morning in Hebrews 11. One. Hebrews 11. Um, we're going to read verse 1, 2, and 3, but most of the time, again, will be in verse 1. Here is what the author of Hebrews said. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Can we say that verse out loud together? We're going to do it a couple of times, as a matter of fact, so we can try to memorize it. Amen? Let's say it out loud together. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Amen. Verse 2 and 3 is too small. We're just going to say a couple of notes about them. So that's why I attach them to Hebrews 11.1. 1. But again, our focus today will be Hebrews 11.1. 1. We've been 46 weeks now in the book of Hebrews. And um, again, just to remind you, the book was written to Christians who used to be Jewish at some point and then because of persecution, they were considering abandoning Christianity and abandoning Christ and go back to Judaism. So the author of Hebrews wrote that book to them pretty much to um, both encourage and warn them from considering going back to Judaism. He started the book by spending pretty much the first 10 chapters for the most part arguing the supremacy of Christ, the supremacy of the New Testament, and therefore, the idea here is, if Christianity is superior than Judaism, then don't leave what is superior to go to what is inferior. We have seen that the author of Hebrews argued that Jesus is superior to the prophets, to the angels, to Moses, and to the high priest of the Old Testament, Aaron. And after he presented his theology, now the author of Hebrews is presenting his practical application on how the Christians, his readers, should live their walk, should walk their walk, should live their life in the midst of the persecution. We have seen that in verse in chapter 10, verse 19 to almost 31, he exhorted them to enter into the new sanctuary to take prayer very diligently and to keep seeking after God. In verse 32 to verse 39, we've seen, and that's what we did two weeks ago, how he's in encouraging them, exhorting them to endure persecution. And he commanded them, don't cast away your confidence. That will be richly rewarded. Amen? And in chapter 11, which we're going to start today, and we're going to stay in it for many weeks probably, he's encouraging them to live their life by faith and not by sight. Amen? If you remember, today again we're going to focus on Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. Now, do you remember how the author of Hebrews closed chapter 10, which we did two weeks ago? The very last two verses in chapter 10, again, he's encouraging them to endure persecution and he quoted quoted Habakkuk chapter 2 when Habakkuk said that the just shall live by faith, right? He quoted that verse from Habakkuk to encourage them that as people who are being made just, who are, have been made righteous because of Christ, they should live their daily life by faith, right? 
And that was the end of chapter 10. Now, he's starting chapter 11, defining, not defining, describing to them what is that faith by which they should live their daily walk in the face of persecution. You guys are with me? So that is the hook here of chapter 11 in, in its connection to the very end of chapter 10. The author of Hebrews now is telling the readers, the people that was reading his book, how they start living that kind of faith in the face of the persecution that they were facing. So verse chapter 11, verse 1 is not really a definition of faith. You guys are with me? It's more of a description of faith. Not defining faith, but describing faith. In other words, what the author of Hebrews is concerned about here in chapter 11, verse 1, is not the, telling them what faith is, but rather telling them what faith does. You guys are with me? This is very important. Because if we understand that context, we'll know exactly what it means, what is the, the definitions of faith here that he's uh, describing in chapter 11, verse 1. So again, chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is, the author of Hebrews now is not telling his readers what faith is, he's telling them what faith does. In other words, he's telling them how now that they have been made just can live their daily life by faith. You guys are with me? So that's very important. Let's move on. Now the author of Hebrews is using two uh, complementary clauses to tell us the faith by which they can live their daily lives. And the way he described that is twofold. Number one, it's the substance of things hoped for. And number two, it is the evidence of things that are not seen. These two clauses here pretty much tell us the exact same thing. It's just complementary to each other. Now, is the word substance material or it is not material? Material, material right? Like this one here is substance, right? Now, the things that are hoped for, that something has already happened, or things going to happen in the future? Things going to happen in the future, right? Things hoped for, right? So the author of Hebrews is pretty much telling them that faith make material the stuff that is not material yet. You guys are with me? Faith makes material the stuff that is not material yet. You're with me, right? Very important. I want you to pay very close attention. This is extremely important. And number two, it is the evidence of things that are not seen. Now, this is my own understanding. This is not academic or scholarly or anything like that. But imagine that a jury in a court, and they are presented with certain evidence. And based on the evidence that they see, they can make 100% um, as, like they can convict the person that they're trying to either convict or to acquit. You guys are with me? Let's say it's a murder trial. None of the jury has seen that person, the defendant, actually killed anybody, right? They weren't there, right? They haven't witnessed that, have they? No. But they can have pits and pieces, which we call evidence, and based on these evidence, they can be so sure that this person has actually committed that murder or not. You guys are with me? And that's kind of what the author of Hebrews is telling us here. Faith, even though you have not seen it in person, it gives you proof, it gives you evidence that makes you so sure of things that you have not even seen yet. You guys are with me? So that is what faith 
does to you and me. This is the way we should live our life. Faith makes material the things that are not material yet. Faith is the evidence, the proof that makes you so sure of things that you haven't even seen because the evidence are just so overwhelming. Amen? Let me use this analogy to um, tell you what faith is. I think that that might make it a whole lot closer to us. But again, let me, uh, before I move into that, I want to remind you that this is not a like, this is not what faith is. This is what faith does. You guys are with me? So faith is pretty much you trust God. But this trust in the context here that the author of Hebrews is talking to his reader is the way they should live their daily life in the face of persecution. In other words, the author of Hebrews is telling them this. The future realities of God's salvation, the promises that God has given you even though you don't see it yet, you should be so sure of these promises that it will surely come to pass in spite of all the persecution that you are facing, that you should endure this persecution as if, as if the promises of God that has not materialized yet has already been materialized in your life. So you guys are with me? So what is faith? Again, here is what I think the author of Hebrews is telling us what faith is. It is action, but it is based on trust. Action based on trust. So there is two parts to what faith is. It's actions, and it's based on trust. You, don't, you cannot have faith without action. You cannot have faith without trust. It has to be both of them in the same time. Action based on trust. In the context of Hebrews 11.1, the action that the author of Hebrews is asking his reader to do is to endure persecution, to remain faithful, to, to endure the race all the way to the end. That's the action. But why? Why should they do that kind of action? Because they trust that God is faithful and that God is able and all the promises of God will ultimately come to pass in spite of the fact that everything around them, everything that is seen tells them that this is probably impossible. You guys are with me? Amen? Now, let me use this analogy to tell you what faith is. Barbara's not here, but I'm going to pick up on her anyways. Let's say that we have a bill here at the church that we have to pay that is $300. So I go to Barb and I say, hey, Barb, uh, the county needs $300 from us for something, but they only accept checks. Barb say, well, I don't have checks on me, but she goes to the church funds or whatever, get me $300 actual money, and she puts it in my hand, and she says, take these $300 and write a, write a check on our behalf, like under your name, and give it to the county. You guys are with me? Now, when I have this $300 in my hand, is this material thing or it is not material thing? It's material, right? So... Now, I have something of substance, something that is so sure of. I have the actual cash, $300 in my hand. So I put this $300 in my pocket. I go home, get my own checkbook, write a check to the county with my name of $300, right? Now, how much trust is involved in that process? Virtually nothing, right? Because I have the hard cash in my pocket, right? If Barb is a good person or a bad person, who cares? She gave me the cash, right? I have the material in my hand that makes me act writing the check on behalf of the church. You guys are with me? Now, faith is this. How, this is how faith is. I come to Barb and say, Barb, 
the county needs $300, but they only accept checks. So she tells me this. Well, I don't have access to the church money right now. Would you please write the check on the church behalf, and I will pay you back. You guys are with me? So I go, write a check for the $300. Where, where is the money? I don't have it. Do I have it? I don't. But why am I writing a check for $300 out of my own money, going to the county and give it to them on behalf of the church? Do you see that? I trust that Barb going to come through with what she have told me that she will do it, right? But this is not just trust that Barb. I know Barb is a good person, and but, you know, I still don't want to write that check for $300. You know what I mean? I trust that what she said she's going to actually fulfill, but that trust has led me to do some action. Actually, here's how you can look at it. I trust much. I trust Barb. So much so that I am willing to bet $300 of my own money that she's going to do what she has promised she's going to do. You guys are with me? You guys are with me? That's faith. Faith, even all that I have is Barb's word, but for me, Barb's word is just as good as giving me the hardcore cash in my hand before I write the check. That's faith. Faith makes of something of substance that it is not substantiated yet. You guys are with me? She hasn't given me the cash yet, but I act in the same exact manner as if she did because that's what faith does. It's action based on trust. I trust Barb. I trust that she's going to do what she said. Therefore, I'm acting in that, listen to this, in the exact same way as if she has already done. You guys are with me? I trust that she will do what she has said that she will do, so much so that I act in the same way as if she has already done it. You follow me? That's faith. You trust that the promises of God will surely come to pass. No matter what, you are so confident, so sure of that, you act as if it has already happened. That's faith. Amen? Amen? Now, there is a very fine line, truly, between faith and foolishness. There's a very small difference between being a man of faith and being an idiot. I hate to say this, but it's so true. The only difference between faith and foolishness is that faith is based on the word and the promises of God Foolishness is based on your assumption. Even if you assume that this is a promise of God and you act on it, that's still foolishness. You guys are with me? You guys are with me? For example, let me give you multiple examples. God said, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, repent of their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. Amen? Now, Let's take our church, for example. Let's say we don't pray. Let's say we don't seek the face of God. We don't cry out to God, humble ourselves, repent, and pray to him. And then we say, you know what? We're not seeing anybody getting saved, but we trust God that he will work it out one way or another. Now, this is not faith. This is pretty much Stupidity. Because we're not doing it God's way. We're not praying. We're not seeking the face of God. And because we're not doing what God has said in his word, we can trust him all that we want. Nothing going to ever happen. You guys are with me? 
Because faith should be based on what God has said in His Word. That takes me back to the fact that you need to know the Word of God. Because if you don't know the Word of God, you can go out and be the dumbest person on planet Earth. Amen? If you act on your assumptions, not on the Word and the promises of God, you are in it for the long haul. And I hate to tell you this, but you will be disappointed big, big, big time. You guys are with me? I mean, look at the people. You watch TV, any Christian channel, and all these clowns and people on TV who tells you, give me $30 and you receive your healing and all this crap. And people actually fall for this. And people actually do write money and send it to these people, and they trust that God will heal them because they're giving that, that evil person on TV, they're going to give them $1,000 or some crap like that. You guys are with me? And then nothing happens, and they get disappointed at God. Well, you can get disappointed at God all that you want, because God never promised this. You assume, because somebody is lying to you, deceiving you, that this is what the Word of God says, but God never said this in His Word. You guys are with me? I mean, if you go through Hebrews 11, all the stuff that the people in Hebrews 11 did, for the most part, is pretty crazy, foolish stuff. Like, look at Abraham leaving his household, leaving his father and everybody, and go to a land that he's never seen before. How stupid is that? It can be a pretty stupid thing to do, isn't it? Look at Moses leaving his, the palace of Pharaoh, leaving everything and saying, hey, I'm just going to go out, be with the, this bunch of slaves, and this is how I want to live my life. And you go through, look at Abraham talking, taking his son Isaac and he want to slaughter him on the mountain. And you go through every single action that the people of the Old Testament is particularly in Hebrews 11 did. And you can say this is pretty stupid stuff. Look at Noah building an ark in the middle of the desert for 50 years. By year 10, 20, 30, he's still building an ark. Can you imagine how dumb that is, right? But the only difference, all these actions were not dumb, were not stupid, because it was based on a promise from God. You guys are with me? You guys are with me? So before you act on faith, you need to know that God told you so. Amen? Because if God told you so, it will surely come to pass. But if God never told you that, that's just your own assumption, then you're pretty much messing up with yourself. You're going to get in trouble for it. Amen? So what is faith? Faith is an action based on trust. Trust in the promises of God. You trust what he said. You trust his actual word. That's why you act. Even though you don't see that happening yet, you act as if it already happened. You guys are with me so far? Now, pay, to me, pay very close attention to me in the next few minutes. This is extremely, extremely, extremely important. In the scripture, there is at least five types of faith. They're not all the same, but they're all different from each other. So pay attention to me. This is extremely important. The first kind of faith that we read about in the Bible is intellectual faith, just a brain knowledge. We read about that in James 2.19. James said this, you believe, you have faith, that God is one. You do well that demons also what? Believe. Demons believe. They have faith that God is one, right? And shudder. But that kind of faith is just purely intellectual. In that sense, every person in this world is a believer. You guys are with me? Even the atheist is a believer. He believes that there's no God. That's his faith. 
That's his doctrine. That's what he holds to be true. Muslims are believers. Jewish people are believers. Atheists are believers. Mormons are believers. Christians are, you and me are believers in that sense. Everyone has their own set of doctrine that they hold to be truth. Even though you might not have seen it with your own eyes, yet to hold it to be truth. And that is faith. But that is just intellectual brain knowledge. You guys are with me? The second kind of faith that we read about in the scripture is the salvation faith. The faith that makes you a child of God. We see an example of that in Luke chapter 7. Jesus was in, in the house of Simon, who was a Pharisee. And then this sinful lady, who was probably a prostitute, she comes and she weeps at Jesus' feet. And she dries his, his, his feet with her own hair. Because she was so broken that she has broken the law of God that they have sinned so much against God. And because of the regret of the life of sin that she has sinned, she heard about Jesus, that he can heal, that he can forgive. So she, because of that trust that she had, she actually acted on that trust. She came to Jesus regretting the life of sin that she lived. And what would Jesus tell her? He said this, and Jesus said to the woman, you were a faith that has saved you. Go in peace. So that woman has also faith. And that faith led to her salvation. That's different than the one that we just read about in James. John 3.16. Anybody help me here? What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, what is that? Have faith in him shall not perish but have an everlasting life. What is that faith that John 3.16 talks about? It's this kind of faith here that we see illustrated in Luke 7.50. You guys are with me. Again, faith is action based on trust. The trust here that this woman had is, I am a sinner. I can't save myself. I messed up the law of God so much and there is absolutely no hope for me. But I know that Jesus forgives sins. I heard him forgiving the sins of the guy that was brought down from the ceiling. And he said, your sins are forgiven you. She, she knew that Jesus can forgive sins. He has what she needs. But that trust that Jesus is her only hope, she acted on that trust. She just didn't just sit home knowing that Jesus can forgive sins. You guys are with me? But that trust provoked her to act. As a matter of fact, she acted in such a humiliating manner because she did not care. She was so broken. All that she needed is her forgiveness of sin. She trusted in Jesus. He's the one. And she acted on that. She went to him and asked him for the forgiveness of sin. You guys are with me? That kind of faith is what got her saved. Now, pay attention to me. For the next two minutes only, pay very close attention, please. Because going to heaven or hell will depend on you understanding these two couple of minutes. You guys are with me? Pay very close attention. If you go out, this is just based on my experience. If you go out and take a survey of people, tell them, how do you think you can go to heaven? Do you go to heaven by faith alone? Or by faith and works? Or by works alone? What's that? Faith and works, right? Most people will tell you it's faith and works. But when they tell you it's faith and works, they understand faith as the faith number one. Oh, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe intellectual knowledge, information. He is the Son of God. He came down from heaven. He died on the cross. Um, the Bible is God's word. I believe in the Trinity. They have all this set of doctrine that they believe in. 
And now, that's faith for them. Plus, this is how they think. Faith, i.e. intellectual knowledge, plus good works. I try to go to church. I try to serve God. I try to give money to the church and all this stuff. And they think that this intellectual knowledge plus acting morally equal salvation. You guys are with me. And that's not the case in the scripture. The Bible doesn't tell us that all that you need to know is just know information in your brain and act morally and that equals salvation. That is not the case at all. Salvation is by faith alone. But that kind of faith is not number one that we just mentioned. It's number two. The faith to trust that you have sinned, that you have broken the law of God to the point that you cannot even redeem yourself. To regret the fact that you have lived a life of sin and you bring that sorrow, that regret to Christ and say, Jesus, there is nothing good in me, nothing I can do to enter into heaven, but I trust that what you have done for me on the cross is good enough, and based on that trust, I am going to act the rest of my life. Amen? I'm going to quit living the life of sin, and I'm going to start living for you and you alone. That kind of commitment based on trusting the sufficiency of what Jesus has done for you on the cross is all what it takes for you to become a child of God. Amen? And that kind of faith will result in that you become a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Your work will change. Everything about you will change from that day forward. You guys are with me? You got that part? Make sure you get it. If you don't get it, come and ask me. Talk to me afterward. Again, your eternity, depending on you understanding that. Going to heaven or hell, hang on you understanding just these few pieces of information and act on it. Amen? But number three, there is the life of faith. Remember Hebrews 10, uh, 38, we close that chapter. The righteous shall live by faith. You and me who have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, we should live our daily life how? By faith. Look at this, Romans 1, 16 to 17. This is what Paul said. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who... Believe, have faith, and now look at this. To the Jews first and also to the group, for in it, look at this. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What is he talking about? From faith to faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from the saving faith, trusting in Christ alone for your salvation. That's the faith number two. To faith, that's living your daily life by faith. So this is not, the word faith here is not the exact same word for the exact same thing. You guys are with me. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from the saving faith to living by faith. What is that kind of living? Again, faith is action based on trust. The trust here, you and me as already believers have already passed that saving faith, we need to live our daily life trusting that God's promises is true. God is faithful no matter what comes your way. The action in our context here, the author of Hebrews was telling the readers, endure persecution in the face of trouble. Have peace no matter what comes your way because you trust that God is good, that God is faithful, that God is able. You guys are with me. Now that's a daily way of living your life. Life can throw a lot of stuff at you. Every single day can be a different story. But every single day you make a decision to live that day by faith. That you have peace no matter what. That you're going to be perseverance. You're going to persevere no matter what. That is daily 
faith, living faith for those who already had the saving faith. You guys are with me? Good? Clear? Important. Very important. You need to understand this stuff. Amen? Now, the fourth kind of faith is faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We read about that in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and the faith. That's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, that would be very, in a way, similar to what we just talked about, living the life of faith every day. The thing about fruit is, fruit takes time to be produced, right? You have to sow the seed, you have to water the, the land, you have to make sure that everything, you wait for it, and it takes a lot of time for that fruit to come, right? And that kind of faith that the author of Hebrews is talking about here is something that you eventually develop as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You guys are with me? This is the kind of faith, again, that you trust God no matter comes your way. You just know that God is good, that God is able. You have been through so much before that now you have come to the point that you trust God no matter what. You guys are with me? Mm -hmm. An example for that, we see the friends of Daniel in the book of Daniel. When they were about to be thrown in the, the furnace of fire, what did they say? They say, King, listen to us. Here's how it's going to be. We trust God no matter what. If he saves us, we trust him. Even if we die, we still trust him. You guys are with me? Now, this is not, this is the kind of faith that you grow into. I mean, look at Peter, for example. We were talking about him in our Bible study not too long ago. He was in the ship when Jesus was asleep, and he freaked out, and he went to Jesus, and he said, Don't you care we're dying? But that exact same Peter in the book of Acts, we read about him that he was about to be executed the, first, the next day, no question what, and he was so deep in sleep that the angel has to kick him to wake him up. He was just out, man. He did not care. He was just, I don't know about you, but I love Jesus, but if I'm going to be executed the next day, I might not sleep very well that night. But Peter wasn't like that. You guys are with me? He grew in that kind of faith. He got to the point that he trusted Christ no matter what? You guys are with me? That is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But number five, faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith is the only thing that is both fruit and gift, but it is not the same thing. You guys are with me? I'm saying you guys are with me a lot today. Maybe if you respond to me, I don't have to say it that much. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, fruit, uh, the faith is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 9. For to one is giving the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same one Spirit. Now, all these gifts that uh, Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 12 are supernatural. There's nothing here that you can learn, nothing here that you can grow into. There's nothing here that you can contribute to have that kind of faith. You guys are with me? This is a supernatural kind of faith that God gives you as a gift. What is an example for that? Something like you will be praying for a sick person, you lay hand on them or whatever the case is, and somehow you know that you know that you know that this person is going to be healed. Or you hear about a bad report or something like comes your way and somehow you have that supernatural peace that this situation is not going to end this way. Even though all the logic and all the doctors say this person is going to die because of cancer, yet somehow you know inside of your heart that this is not going to end this way. You have that supernatural assurance in a specific situation that this situation is not going to end like this way. You guys are with me? 
And based of that assurance, based of that confidence that you had, that peace that you have, you can ask that sickness to be healed, and that sickness will be healed. So the gift of healing here is based on the gift of faith that God has given you. You guys are with me? An example for that, Luke 17, 6, Jesus answered, Jesus replied, If you have faith as small as the mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. I don't know about you. Have you ever imagined a tree planted in a sea? Can you imagine a tree floating on the sea? Do you, do you, do you know how awkward and how weird that would look like? A tree floating on a sea. But Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can command this tree to be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it will obey. Now, that is the gift of faith. You guys are with me. You know that you know that you know. God has assured you deep down in your heart that this is the way things are going to be. And because of that faith that you have, you can say the craziest thing and it will come to pass. That is the gift of faith. You guys are with me? So how many types of faith we have? Three. Okay, we have five. Number one is the intellectual faith. That doesn't do you any good. Right? I mean, you need to know the truth. But at the end of the day, this is not when I'm going to get you into heaven. Number two, salvation faith. That means to repent of your sins and trust Christ and Christ alone for the salvation of your soul. Number three is um, living every single day by faith to trust God and endure persecution. Number four, faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's something you grow into because of your walk with God. You get to that point that you're just in complete, perfect trust in him no matter what. Number five, the gift of faith that God gives, not all his children, but you have to have some sort of gifts. If it's not faith, you're going to have, I feel like, I believe like, these gifts are meant for every believer. Every believer should have one gift or another. Amen? Having zero gifts is not God's will or is not God's heart. You guys are with me? All right. Now, uh, verse two and three. This is just too short. I couldn't make a sermon out of it, so I'm just going to mention a couple of things and then we'll pray. Verse 2, it says this. This is what the ancients um, were commanded for, which the author of Hebrews start picking up from verse 4. He start going through the, the Old Testament saints one by one, starting from Abel and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Isaac. He went through every single one of them and show practical examples in their life, how, because of their faith, God commanded them. And then in verse 3, before, before the author of Hebrews went on to talk about the, the, the people of the Old Testament, he, he brought a point to them. He said that even you, not just the ancient ones, but even you have faith in the fact that you trust that this world was created by the word of God in spite of the fact that you have not seen God created the world. You guys are with me? Every Time in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it says by faith, it's always followed by somebody from the Old Testament, except Hebrews 11.3. It says this, by faith, not Abel, not Enoch, not, not uh, Joshua, not Moses, but by faith, we, right? So this is something for them, for their present time. And it says this, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the account of creation that we have seen in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. 
And he said, you've read that in God's word, and because you trust in the word of God, even though you have not seen yourself, God creating everything, you trust in his word so much so that you understand how things have come to, to existence. That the things that we have seen came out of stuff that cannot be seen, invisible. You guys are with me? Now, let me just close with that uh, thought, and then we'll pray. It says this, by faith we do what? Verse 3. By faith, we, somebody can read. Hebrews 11, 3. By faith, we understand. Now, isn't that a little bit strange? Isn't faith all about trusting and acting? There's not much understanding. It appears to be in faith. You guys are with me? Like when Bart tells me, pay the check and I'll pay you money back. There's nothing here to understand. I just trust her for her word. You guys are with me? But here he's saying that by faith, we understand. In other words, that the author of Hebrews here is telling us is this. Faith is not a dumb faith. You guys with me? Faith, you, you can use faith to understand things. Case in point, the account of creation. You can look at what God has made. And even though you have not seen God created everything, you still can trust that the word of God is true. You can understand by faith. Faith doesn't make you a dumb person. This is the connotation that we get. You're a Christian. You don't believe in evolution. You don't believe the, the biogenesis, which things came from non-organic material. You don't believe that evolution is true. Look at all the scientific facts. How can you be so stupid to believe that God created everything? And that is the impression that you get from the world, that because you're a believer, because you have faith, you must be pretty dumb. But that's not what the Bible tells us. By faith, we understand. Now, even though you and me might not be able to, un to explain that how in the world God can say, let there be light, and all of a sudden, out of nothing, light comes to existence. I cannot explain that. You guys are with me? I cannot explain maybe the substance of my faith, but I can explain the reason of my faith. You guys are with me? I can tell you why I believe there is a God, and you should too. You should be able to tell people outside why you believe there is a God. You should be able to tell people why evolution actually is a pretty stupid thing, and it is truly the dumbest theory ever existed. The fact that everything came from like uh, the Big Bang Theory, whatever you want to call it, this is just the dumbest stuff you can ever hear about. There is no science for it. Actually, science proves the existence of God. You should be able to defend that. You guys are with me? Because faith doesn't make you dumb. Faith makes you, actually, you should be able to defend the reason of your faith. If you don't know how to do it, actually, it's already on our website. If you go under evolution, you're going to find all the arguments there. You can read it. What I'm trying to say is this. The author of Hebrews is telling us that faith is not against reason. Faith is above reason. You guys are with me? Faith is not against reason. Faith is above reason. Faith is not illogical. Faith is beyond logical. And that's very important. Let me just close with this. These two Mormon missionaries that I just uh, came to our, to, to our house. The Book of Mormon says at least a couple of times that Jesus is the Father. Now we know that to be factually incorrect. And it was mentioned twice in the Book of Mormon. So I show her that as like... Here is your two references. How in the world, you tell me the Book of Mormon is from God, and it tells me here that Jesus is the Father. He is the Son. He's not the Father. And somehow the girl would listen to this and say, 
And this is what she said to me. She said, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm just here to tell you to pray about the Book of Mormon and see if it's from God or not. You guys see what she did there? I'm trying to present her some logical contradictions between the scripture and the Book of Mormon. She didn't care about all of that. All what she cared about is to do the one thing that she's programmed to do. She's programmed to go tell people, read the Book of Mormon and read about it. And if you're open, let's meet more and talk about it. You guys are with me? Now, that's not faith. That's not faith that when she's presented with reasons why what she believed in is not true, she just brush it under the carpet and not worry about it so much. That is not faith. That's pretty much stupidity. You guys are with me? Yeah, 1.3 billion Muslims who believe that the Quran is God's word, and they're willing, they're willing to bid their eternity on it, and they're being misled. God never said anything in the Quran. That's not from God. Same thing with the Book of Mormons. Same thing with a lot of people. Same thing even with Christians. You guys are with me? The Trinity, for example. Yeah, you should be able to go to the Bible and defend your faith. Why do you believe that Jesus is God and he's God in his nature in the exact same way the Father is God in his nature? You should be able to do that if you don't. Amen? <laughs> All right. Um, faith is not a dumb faith. Faith should be based on logic and reason. You understand why you believe what you believe. You might not be able to, to explain the Trinity, but you should surely be able to defend it from the scripture. You guys are with me? One person is with me. Amen. Let's close our eyes and pray.